Welcome to O Timothy, a podcast with one really, really happy man and then an average man. I'm Matt Marshall, and my co-host today is Josiah Chidi. Very, very happy man because of something that happened last week. I'd like to say he started a new Bible reading plan, and it's just changed his life. I'd like to say that he memorized half of the Bible. I'd like to say that he just just been a great family man this week, but that's not why he's happy. Why is he happy, Joe? Tell us. Well, first, well, first, let me just say, first, me... I didn't know who you were talking about, the, who, who the average man was, uh, but then you introduced <laughs> yourself. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just the average man. That's all I am. Yes. No, we're having a good time. But I, you, uh, we had, why are you excited today? Well, for those who can't see the video, I'm wearing a brand new sweater and it's got the big block M on it. Uh, my Michigan Wolverines are champs, undisputed heavyweight champs of the college football playoff era and uh, very exciting. It was a good, just a sweet game, good time. And I had a really good time with the family. They had a uh, snow day the next day. So we were all up late watching the whole whole game and uh, just a good time with the fam. And so I was a good family man. I let the kids, you know, hung out with my family, watched it with the whole family, you know, yelled at them when they were being too loud and interrupting the game. You know, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, we had a good time watching that. What, so what does the word undisputed mean to you? <laughs> I think it, I don't know where you're going with this, but it means that in 97, yes, there was a shared title. So we didn't win it outright. This year we won it mm -hmm. outright. So that's what it, they were undisputed. We destroyed them. Is that an uh, um, I see that M, big blue M and a yellow hoodie. Uh, is there an asterisk next to that M, that championship, oh. the, the national championship? Is there an asterisk there? <laughs> no, there will be no asterisk. No, no. Those players had nothing to do with it. They dominated on the football field. They didn't need any help uh -huh. from outside sources. You know, Harbaugh didn't know anything about what was going on. They're not. Uh, mm -hmm. There's an R here, though, a reserve. You know, that's the only thing that's next to it. Um, but no, they, and they Joe won it Biden right. is the, And Joe Biden is our <laughs> legitimate president. Welcome to O Timothy, a podcast about politics uh, and football. Um, no, <laughs> no I'll say this. That was the best team in the nation this year. I'll give you that. Their defense was... Uh, NFL level, and I felt bad for, for Penix there because he hadn't seen anything like that this year, and he played Oregon Ducks twice and beat them. But yeah. um, and that's a good team, of course. Oregon's good, Bo Nix, Bo Nix. Yeah. But uh, no, Michigan's defense was outright incredible. But I will say this: um, your quarterback's catch in the Alabama game. I mean, yes, that's what happened. The quarterback's catch in the mm. Alabama game was unbelievable where that backwards lateral that he barely caught turn around yeah. and threw that bomb. That was amazing. Yeah. And of course, Michigan had a great running game all year long. So, Hey, let me give it, let me give it up for you guys. Good job. Way to go. I'll let you have your day in the sun because Harbaugh's gone. <laughs> that's probably true. And that's going to be a sad day, but they may, even though he's only been there so many years, not near as long as we'd like him to be because he'll probably leave. They'll probably erect a statue to him and call the next, you know, practice field, the Harbaugh field or something like that. But uh, he's already a legend in Michigan and it was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. He might stick around. Who knows? He talked about spring ball already, but he's he's got to do that because he can't tell him what he's doing yet. But uh, 
um, we'll see, we'll see, but it's been, it's been really fun. And, uh, you know, what's, what's amazing though, is as I've grown up, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of step away from, you know, not get so emotionally involved in sports. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's cause I've gone too far with that before where Michigan loses to Ohio state and you're depressed for a week, you know, and that's just sad for a Christian, <laughs> I think, you know, so I've finally been able to kind of grow out of that, <clears throat> but it's still fun. Amen. I've still found a balance of trying to have some fun with it because, uh, whoever your sports team is, wherever you're from, it's just, it's a, it's an opportunity to experience some of that camaraderie and some, for me, it's family. It's it, my connection with my family. We all just love it, enjoy it. And, uh, you know, again, did they cheat or not? I don't know. Probably did. Everyone's trying to find a competitive edge, you know, unwritten rules are being broken here and there and everything else. And, uh, and so, but my team came out on top. So, you know, they didn't, you know, of course, I don't think they cheated, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just fun. We have a well, good time if they did, I will concur that if they did cheat, then, then other people, other teams are cheating too. So, um, but I, I, you know, I haven't seen the evidence. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen the, you know, the, the footage. So, um, yeah. no, uh, I, I'm a West, I'm a West Virginia fan. We have, we really don't talk about anything except, um, you know, who, how, how we're going to lose next year, how, how badly, <laughs> but our, our actually West Virginia turned the, turned the record around and had a pretty good bowl game. So I was happy for yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe one of these days there'll something awesome. to cheer for, but yeah, but you might as well just jump on the other bandwagons, <laughs> you know, might as well just hop exactly. on Michigan. There's enough room over here. So mm, it's not going to happen. I, <laughs> I just have to stay with the redeemed. Um, there you go. We, <laughs> now, of course, my wife is a Michigan fan. It's 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 just the old. And it's funny when you go to different parts of the country, they they just don't get it. They they don't understand the rivalry because you're born with it, and you're people are literally put into Ohio State or more, or Michigan onesies when they're born, and mm-hmm. so you know they're you, they are being programmed for their team, and uh, it's a good yep. it's a good rivalry. Yeah, uh, hey, it's fun. 2024. It's been a new year. It, we're at wonderful new year already into the new year enough. Uh, how's it going? It's going pretty well over here. Um, yeah. I mean, nothing, you know, I, I'm not real big on massive resolutions or massive goals, but there's always something about flipping the page um, on a new year. It's got me thinking about some things as far as the church goes, uh, personal walk with the Lord, my health. Uh, that's a big deal for me. And I, I try to be somewhat vulnerable with that at times, even with my church. Um, and I just try to be, Hey, you know, I know I've got to make changes. I'm trying, I try to do this and that. So it gets me thinking about it. And so I've tried to be more cautious with how I eat and you always, and there's always that connection with that because of the holiday, you have all those holidays you eat, you kind of mm. fe- like feast days. And then you get past it and you're like, man, I shouldn't be touching any sugar. Should, you know, I need to really cut back. So there's kind of a combination of things going on there. Um, but the new year has been good so far, been preaching and teaching at church on Wednesday nights on, uh, this spiritual inheritance or, or inheritance of the believers is what I've been looking at to the whole mm. scope of ruling and reigning with Christ, plus the works and rewards, the judgment seat, and have a really good time mm. preaching on that. Um, I'm not a big um, vision guy. I don't necessarily have a theme for a year. I tried it about halfway through the year this last year, and we basically just never talked about it because um, it, we had some other stuff going on. And uh, so <clears throat> I've just never... That's usually what ends up happening with, um, with, you know, uh, what do you call themes and stuff like that with me? I end up just not even thinking about yeah. them. 
Um, and they kind of go by the side of the road because it's so, you know, things at church to me are, are organic. They move and, you know, it's like, Hey, now we're thinking about this or now we're moving this way. Um, and if I can just get folks, my desire this year, get people just focused on the word, talking about the word, fellowshipping around the word of God, uh, comforted in the Holy spirit and in the, in the word of God, comforting each other, growing and building each other up in the love of Christ. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to this year and really trying to push and not push, but just make an emphasis you know, we started last week doing uh, Sunday morning. You know, I have a, just a section in my order of service that says worship. And I got the idea kind of mm. from your brother, but I was thinking about it already before I even saw him do it. But just the time where I give a thought about <clears throat> worshiping the Lord, something about the Lord, and let's just take some time in prayer mm. and not necessarily prayer for burdens and hardships and, you know, God, please help, you know, this, that, and the other. But Lord, you're just, you're holy, you're just, you're good. We're, you know, thanking him, praising him, worshiping him for a time, then get up and sing another song or something like that. So some things this year, that's kind of my focus is just more in the word, more about the word, um, comforting, helping each other in the word of God. You know, we've been through some things this year as a church and, and uh, want to help the church. And you know, that's always the goal, right? Is to help the church and you best way to help the church is through the word. So, um, you know, that's what we're Man. focused on, but yeah, the new year is, is exciting and we're looking forward to what the, what, you know, turning the page and what things look like this year. But how about you, brother, Matt, how are things going? I know you're a, you're probably more of a planner than I am. So what you got, what does your new year look like? Well, I, I do try to plan, but I, I always tell people I plan for spontaneity. If I have a, if I have a, a, a plan, then I can be spontaneous from it. That's me in my my personality, but mm. also it's worked well, I think, uh, throughout life. If, if you, if you can have a plan and then allow the Holy spirit to change that or just be adventurous and change some things at times, you know, you know, it, it depends on your personality, but we do have a plan. I did, I did go through a whole year schedule just to get the people on the same page this year. And we do have a theme. The church has had a theme before I came, um, for every year we were laughing because, uh, there's a few ladies in the church that have been collecting, the magnets that are made every year. They put the theme on a magnet and then they put it on their fridge. And one of the ladies had, I think since 93 or 99, somewhere in there has the oh. magnets all on the refrigerator. And I'm like, man, That's is there great. any room left on your fridge? You know? Um, but this year we we took uh, our theme from second Corinthians one and we're calling it by faith. We stand where Paul said, we're, we're not, we have no dominion over your faith, but our helpers of your joy for by faith, you stand. And uh, so asking God to help us to stand by faith and I have a little calendar and we put up banners and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's neat. It, the people enjoy the church looking different, you know, at the beginning of the year. And um, it's kind of a nice way of decorating your church without having to totally renovate everything, you know? So the mm. new theme, new banners or whatever uh, help that. But the cool thing is for the church that last year was reviving the heart was their theme. And, um, they they believe God did that for them, and so I thank the Lord for their faith mm. to uh, to continue. And I think themes that they're it's extra biblical. It's not necessary. You don't have to have it. Uh, the you know the the theme is really the second coming of Jesus Christ, the return of Christ. That's the theme right. of the Bible, and that's really what we're waiting for. But and preaching about. But um, you know God does. You know, but Peter said, "Add to your faith." virtue and the virtue knowledge knowledge temperance there are things that you can you should add spiritually uh to your life and i think themes can sometimes emphasize those things and you can kind of help maybe go through a list of of what the lord's trying to do in your heart so we have it this year right. and we're excited we're we had a 
prayer meeting last night. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday, and our Wednesday night prayer meeting was great. And the men and ladies, we split up and pray, and it's been a good spirit of uh, just asking God to perform miracles and, and answer prayer. I had a man last night come to me. He said he's been praying about a work truck um, for, for, man, six months. He's been trying to get a work truck, and he had one given to him that wasn't passing inspection and all that. And just back and forth, and he find, he came to me last night, and a friend gave him a uh, Ford F two fifty loaded truck with the whole uh, construction uh, bends in the back, you know, in the bed. And uh, he was just wow. rejoicing in God and God's provision for him, and answering this prayer request out of nowhere. He never expected it. So uh, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you love to see. The other testimony we had was a lady who said, "I tried a Bible reading plan." In 2023, and she said it was it was it was pretty fast. It was pretty detailed. There was a lot to read, and she said I kind of got discouraged with it. And she said I was just praying that God would direct me what I should do in 2024. And she says then I come in on December 31st service, and here is this Bible reading plan that you passed out to the church. And she said this is so helpful. And she said my wife, my husband, and I are reading the Bible plan together. And uh, she just gave a testimony rejoicing, and, and he's like, oh, it's great. I love it, you know. So that kind of stuff, you, wow. you know, you can't really write a big uh, email, and, you know, it's hard to articulate and, and categorize and actually number the work that God does in someone's heart, you know. But as a yeah. pastor, when you find out someone is reading the Bible faithfully and maybe for the first time faithfully, you're like, oh, man, that's going to that's gonna do so much more than we can do. So praise God. That's the stuff, yeah. I had a, I had a, one of my older men, he's in his nineties now or 90, he just turned 90 and, uh, he's, we call him Superman. I mean, he, he doesn't look a day over 80, you know? Um, but, uh, he is wow. just, he's, he's the man. He laid all the tile in the church. He helped, uh, repair the roof and his, you know, when he was in his late seventies, I mean, he's just been a workhorse all his life, but he comes up to me and he, he can't do mm-hmm. much. His eyes are kind of going, his ears kind of go. So he uses an iPad in church just to get expanded view, you know, and, and all that. And so mm. he's, even when he sings, he's kind of delayed in his singing because he just, you know, but he's a real blessing. He came up to me every service. He's been coming up to me saying, oh yeah, I just read, you know, Genesis here. And he shows me his, his list, his uh, Bible reading schedule. Mm. He carries it in his, in his giant print Bible at home, but he brings it to church so he can mark off or he'll come to church early and, and read for an hour or so. And, and he's got this schedule. He's had it for about five years. And he just, he marked off each year. He puts a different, you know, year at the top. And then he just follows the schedule, puts a red X or a circle or something to mark it off. So every service he's been doing that. And you're right, as a pastor, you can't really ask for much more than that. Just seeing someone passionate, desiring to read, be in the word of God. Um, there's nothing better. And, uh, you know, obviously we like to see the big things, but, you know, these little things in people's lives is so important. And to see people taking those steps and being consistent and desiring to, Man, there's nothing like it. So it's a big blessing. That's great. Slow growth is best growth. And people grow yeah. best when they are in the Word of God. Someone someone told me a long time ago, one it takes 50 years for a cactus to grow one arm. Mm. So you look out there in the desert and see those cactus with two or three, that's a lot of time. Mm. Um, and wow. that's, it takes a long time to, 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 to develop strong, mature Christians. and uh, it really comes down to them responding to the word. So if they're in the word, right. there's a chance. Amen. Amen. That's it, man. That's it. Absolutely. 
What a blessing. Well, we're going to dive in today, aren't we? Yes, we're gonna we are. Dive we're in and, uh, <laughs> tell us, tell we us what a... we're going to cover, brother. Okay. Well, I feel What's like that? we should put a warrant. I feel like we should put a warning label on this one, you know, like, man, you know, careful, caution ahead, you know, danger ahead here. Um, but no, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm yes. honestly excited to talk about it. I think we need to. Um, and I just was, so I'll say where it came from is last week talking with your son, Tim about music. And, mm. uh, I know, you know, he mentioning so much about how he was helped and inspired. And, um, I hate to use that word, but it's not, it's my word inspiration, but he was motivated to be in, get into music, to write music, to, uh, sing, to lead music in a church, to teach it and all that. Um, you know, it really got me thinking, you know, some things, you know, uh, not that he said anything wrong, but just, I was like, man, maybe we could, we could have talked further about that would have been kind of neat or, Hey, could we dive into this? You know, and, and because some of it gets into nuance, some of it gets into maybe Romans 14 territory where, um, you know, you know, and some of those things where it's opinion, but there also is biblical truth. And, uh, so I really started thinking, man, that'd be a great topic to start talking about. And I know you, and you know, you, uh, we, you've met before. Um, you grew up singing your whole life. You're, you're trained in music. See myself pretty well every day in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. yeah, buddy. Uh, and, and, uh, has a story I wanted to tell, but I'll, I'll get to that maybe later. But, um, uh, we, okay. uh, just, just talking about that though, about music and thinking, man, you know, from, from my perspective, not that you're this end all be all type music guy, but I know, you know, a lot, I've learned a lot personally from you and your brother and watching you guys has done the same thing for Tim as it's done for me, where I've been inspired, I've been challenged, I've been taught a lot about music. And so I, th- I said, hey, let's let's dive in. Let's just start talking about music. And we're kind of coming from a general sense maybe today with some of the questions that I put together. I said, I want to learn, but I want to learn from you. I want to hear what you have to say mm. about some of these things. And again, I know, I know. That's why I say caution, danger ahead, you know. <laughs> but hey, you put yourself out there, man. Those years ago with the church music tune-ups and all that stuff, man. You know, you you you, oh, you set yourself up as as a leader in my life in this area. So hey, I, wanna say, I just want to say I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that, <laughs> <laughs> man. Those tune-ups, though, and for people who don't know, he and his brother hosted these music tune-ups for church musicians and church choirs and stuff to get together and and teach them some stuff. And I just, I remember they were really helpful to me as a, as a church member, not mm-hmm. as a pastor doing anything in music, really not leading it anyway. Um, it really helped me to understand the philosophy, the purpose, the, the goal, you know, we would do those concerts for the Lord, the concert of ones, just empty mm-hmm. auditorium, nobody in there, but the choir and the orchestra, um, was powerful. And, uh, but I learned a lot about good. music. I was good. Yeah. There were some really special times. Sorry, there. I, there's a, there's more of a delay today, so forgive me. I'm gonna have to do the old over. <laughs> so for some reason there's a delay. So if I'm over talking over top of you, forgive me. Okay, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't come across too rough. But um, but anyway, yeah. So we want to. Uh, so I want to dive into music, and I want to hear from you about some of these things. Um, and uh, and and so what I'm going to kind of do is give these general questions. I didn't know how to ask. I guess maybe what is at the core of some of these questions, but I hope we can kind of unearth that as we go, if that makes sense. Um, you know, the actual, yes. you know, what is the purpose? What is the drive of music? What is the, you know, should there be an only one 
version type that is only honoring to the Lord and trying to kind of get to the, the core of that. Also, what is music or what is, you know, at its core? And again, see, I can't even quite articulate it because I think um, e either it's been corrupted in the sense of everyone's just kind of done their own thing and nobody really knows, or the Bible didn't say anything one specific way or style or anything like that. So there may be some open, open to some interpretation. Um, so I just wanted to mm -hmm. kind of dive in and see if we can, like I said, kind of unearth a little bit. And so I want to kind of act as the, as the interviewer, although I, I'd love to be a part of the discussion where I feel like I can and, uh, and we'll just start the discussion on music. So, uh, if you're good with that, ready to roll, I hope, hopefully that's a good enough introduction for folks. I think, I think it's great. And again, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to get as much as we can as a huge subject. It is. We're not going to cover this in one one time, but, uh, you know, having a consistent theme for a few weeks, I think would be good, too. So. All right. So first question, though, and you can you can deflect and kind of go into something else, but we'll maybe get back to the question. Uh, maybe you got some thoughts already rolling in your head, Brother Matt um, or Pastor Matt, brother, pastor, doctor. Um, Emperor would be fine. Oh, OK. All right. That'd be that'd be a low enough term for you. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, first question. Let's call me. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Help us. Help us. Um, all right. So, first question. And here's again. This was something that was debated in college classes that I had, and institute course that I had. And this is something I've seen play out in real time, in real life. And so, the question is this. Should we sing slash listen to songs written by contemporary artists? And again, contemporary meaning worldly, but mixed in with Christian, not necessarily new. Um, so that definition, that running definition, not just um, within, you know, a new song written. Uh, so should we sing slash listen to songs written by contemporary artists or even secular musicians? And can I qualify that a little bit just to get people's frame of mind? That'd be all right with you. Go ahead. Okay. So there was a song sung by Johnny Cash years ago called I Was There When It Happened. And if you know the story of Johnny Cash, apparently, from what I understand, the stories that I've read is that he grew up as a Christian, was saved, but then got away from the Lord, sang country music, and as we know, the man in black and all the rest. But he sang this song, I Was There When It Happened. And if you listen to the song, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, there's nothing I would say doctrinally majorly as, as far as on the surface. And, uh, but Johnny Cash sang it possibly even wrote it. Uh, but there's, I couldn't quite find the author, but, um, I think he may have even wrote it. So is, is it right or wrong to sing that song? Is it something we should even entertain, um, by taking from these contemporary artists or even secular artists that might lean toward you know, the world or a worldly influence. All right. That's the question. Go. Let me um, start off by saying I am not an authority on music. I just have had a lot of time and experience in music. Uh, I'm not even as educated as others. So I lean a lot on <clears throat> uh, education wise in music. I lean on a lot of other writers and authors um, so, you know, I just want you to know that I am not an authority. There are, are more um, well-read and well-studied and well-taught authors 
and professors and pastors or you know, teachers, evangelists, other other guys that have maybe spent more time in the classroom or spent more time, you know, writing all that stuff. So I want you to know I've, I'm I'm a musician by from history, but I'm also a pastor, and so I have a unique perspective on music because of the amount of time. So you know, within within being maybe four or five years old, I was on the on the platform singing. So basically, I was given a gift and didn't even realize I was given that gift until later on. But that gift was under the tutelage of my father, my mother, and others. And that gift was honed from both their biblical stands and their personalities and opinions. So everyone has, like I said, we everyone has, you know, they're like armpits, right? Everyone has two of them and they stink. And I, I'm hoping that I can, I can delineate between biblical truth principles, actual Bible verses, and principles de derived from those Bible verses, and then uh, that's on one side, so the doctrine, the truth, the scripture itself, and then on this side would be the principles derived from that, and then on another side would be the opinions or standards that I have uh, based on those principles. So if you can kind of separate those three in your mind, I think it'll help you with, with music. Um, I think one of the first things to I'm going to come to your I'm going to come to your to your question and try to answer it. But one of the first things you need to start with is who actually made music. I think it's an important thing to understand that because we're Christians and we say our bodies belong to God. We say our spirits are, are God, as, as Scripture says, right? We are to glorify God and our our body and our spirit, which are God's. So He owns us by right of redemption. Of course, by creation, he created us, but then redeemed us and made us a new creature in Christ. So we are his. He is in us, and we are in him. So we are one with him, and we have to consider what God has to say about these areas. Uh, music did not was not man's idea. M music was not Satan's idea. Music was God's idea. It didn't come from the world. It is a gift that come, came down from the Father of Lights. The Bible talks about that, one of those gifts. Another principle to understand is God sings. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So God is a musical being himself. Christ sang with his apostles in Mark 14, 26, they had, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Of course, we know Jesus, being Jewish, would have learned those songs as a kid, most likely the Psalms and other, other songs um, as a Jewish young man. So but God sings, Christ sings. And then another principle to understand is music was in heaven before it was in earth. And it was among spiritual beings, as Job references, the sons of God sang together at the day of creation. So those principles need to be understood. It was also created for God. As Job talks about in, in verse uh, 4 of chapter 38, God asked, where were you when I made this earth, so to speak? And the answer would be nowhere around. So the music was there before mankind was created. And it was not initially created for mankind. It was, it was in existence to worship God and to praise him. And so music comes from another place. Now, we understand it because man has written it, man has played it, man has sung it, 
um, has modified it, but we, but it didn't come from us. And I think that's something to remember. Uh, we didn't make our bodies, we didn't make our spirits, and we did not make music. The next big principle to understand is there is a great perverter of music, and that is Satan. And Satan has a great interest in it, and he has a great influence over it. And the reason why, uh, for for those that may have never heard this in the first for the first time, this might be your first time to hear it. Ezekiel twenty eight. Want to write down Ezekiel twenty eight verse eleven through seventeen describes Satan as an anointed cherub, and he he was part of the worship and a part of the of the, the as the archangels would worship and say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God." He was a part of that. He was an anointed cherub meaning he had a position. Um, it, it, some, some even say he was the fifth cherub there that's missing from Ezekiel. Uh, chapter 1, it's possible. He, you know, the Bible talks about being upon the holy mountain of God and that he walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. And the Bible also talks about in Ezekiel 28, verse 13, that he has musical instruments built into his very body. So something... Uh, uh, that's organic that's that's there and it's alive and and it talks about the different uh types of musical instruments that were built into his body it talks about tabrets and pipes and vials so he was he had tabrets like a like a tambourine it's like a that's like a rhythm instrument that was built into him he had pipes which is a wind instrument and that often is used the melody wind instruments play the melody and then he had vials um, which is a stringed instrument. You say, that's weird. I, I know it's weird. But Marvel has some really weird characters in their series as well. <laughs> and we often just swallow it and care, you know, oh yeah, that could happen, you know. And we think it's all fake, but, uh, and, and, and it is, but I'm saying we, we, we have a hard time believing the Bible when it comes to some of these things. And we'll read about a beast in Revelation and say, that's weird. But the Bible is very distinct and clear about Satan as this being. And so if you understand that, that music was created by God for God, that it was there before mankind was created, and that a being called Satan had a great influence and, and involvement in music, then when you realize that he fell in rebellion, but didn't lose his musical ability, now you see that he ha might have another motivation for influencing man through music. And when you study the scripture, that's not hard to see because there are different things where Satan is involved in music in the word of God. And even evil spirits are involved with music in the word of God. So that's the reason why I put that foundation down is because sometimes we come at these things with, you know, well, what do I think? What do I think? Well, I got to start way back to what does the Bible say about music? What does the Bible say about God's involvement in music? Is there any evil uh, side or force that would want to influence you in music? That would inform you that there is a motivation or an influence that's trying to get to you. And so you, when you start laying those down, you say, okay. Then when we say secular music or contemporary artist, what we're saying really is, Secular would be those that don't know Christ as their Savior. Their purpose in music is not to bring praise to God. And they um, might even be doing it for themselves. I got a question for you as I move forward in answering this. What 
is your definition of contemporary? Okay, so contemporary, um, my working definition is not that it's new necessarily in, in and of itself, but that it is it is something that comes from a source that is worldly in nature. So as a worldly style. So people that would write, um, not necessarily write a worldly style because the words themselves may not be worldly words, but they are connected with the worldly styles like Christian rock or Christian rap. So a Christian rap artist writes a song or a Christian rock artist writes a song and we take it and we clean it up. We, we baptize it, you know, or baptize, you know, make it uh, fun, you know, we fundize it and we make it cleaned up and <laughs> say, Oh, this is a great song. And well, the source of that song was a contemporary artist, someone who is, who's actively involved in the, uh, you know, connecting worldly influences with, you know, uh, with uh, trying to call it Christian, you know, but if it walks like a duck and talks mm. like a duck, it must be a duck. So if we call it Christian rock, well, is it really Christian or is it really rock? You've now taken two and you put them together. And uh, so that's my definition of contemporary is something along the, the lines of not that it's new, but something along the lines of a worldly influenced music and musicians that are connected with um, bringing those two worlds together. And I just believe that they shouldn't be as, they shouldn't be as intrinsically connected as, as they are. Now that can get, again, get nuanced with even Southern gospel, or you could say bluegrass and you could throw a lot of things under the bus there. But, uh, I think people are actively involved in, um, bringing those two worlds together. Yeah. So again, if God has a purpose in music and Satan has a purpose in music, what would that purpose be? The purpose would be who receives the praise, right? Who's getting glory? If you study music, um, the first song actually in the Bible, obviously, is the song of Israel being Miriam's song there being delivered from, uh, from the Egyptians, and that's a song of praise to God and his deliverance. And when you study the origin of Satan and the and, and, and the creation of, of, of music, there is something to do with praise, worship. There's something with someone's getting the glory for what you're singing about. And the sons of God, I believe there in Job, are singing about God's creation, how powerful he is to make, make this great creation. And so you, that foundation there is music was created to worship God. It was created by God for God before man was ever here. So that's the reason why it even exists. Just like Revelation 4.11, you know, all things are created for his pleasure, right? They are and were created. Mm -hmm. So they are made for God. Now, music has been distorted, and where did it start from? It started with the being that, that brought this evil into the world himself, and that is Satan. And his goal with Adam and Eve was to get, to get them to worship him or to allow, they wanted to maybe to co-rule together and be like a god. I, th I think that's really what, what Satan was trying to do with God, was to actually rule alongside him, not necessarily rule over him. So, the, you know, is the idea, but it's called co-regency. And right, so then right. he is trying to get Adam and Eve to co-rule alongside of him. Or maybe we can be a buddy system here, and, you know, you could be a god, and I'll be a god, you know. Or I can't be a god, but I'll help you be a god. And so there's a big evil plan behind it, and, and, uh, and that is Satan is looking to get the worship. He wants the worship. He wants to take God down. 
Now, I have a question, and that is, does Satan have, do, would you would you believe that Satan has musical ability? Yes, absolutely. Do you, do you think that Satan knows music better than you do? Absolutely, yes. So he has ability, he has a power, and none of that, he's been around a long time. So he has collective uh, devilish wisdom as well. So he knows this stuff better than you and I do. And so, and the reason I say that is he would then have an intent. He would then have an intent for music. And that intent would be, just like he did in the garden, try to pull people away um, from, from God and worshiping God. So now we move in Scripture to what does God think is important in music? Um, I'm getting ready to give something I, I've had uh, even a brother in Christ say, well, you know, you really can't draw the, those lines in Scripture um, like you're drawing them. The Scripture doesn't say that. And so I'll back up and say what the Scripture says. It says, um, let the Word of Christ, this is Col Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The Bible also talks about the melody, to having melody, singing with melody as well. So if, if we could say the scripture says one element to music, it talks about one element in music, we, in the New Testament we could say it definitely talks about the melody. It doesn't say mm -hmm. singing with rhythm in your heart. It doesn't, it doesn't mention even harmony. For some reason, God says the melody is supposed to be um, the central thing, or at least that's all he talks about as in the New Testament for the parts of music. Now, the parts of music are pretty easy to understand because um, a two-year-old a two understands them. Okay. The one that actually the, the two-year-old doesn't understand the most is harmony. But the one they understand first is rhythm, and then they understand melody. So melody, for, for those that may not understand musically, is a, like a horizontal or, a, you know, successive following one another. You know, one note follows another. That's the arrangement of notes in music. It goes horizontally, and those notes, um, one note follows after one, each other. Harmony would then be the vertical or simultaneous arrangement of notes. If you hit a note on a piano, one note could be the melody. Two notes on the piano are harmony. All right? So, and when you see music, they're the ones that are written vertically on the music. So they're happening at the same time. Melody is a successive note pattern. Harmony is a simultaneous note pattern. Okay, just a little music theory here for you. And then rhythm is the movement of those notes or the duration, how long they're being played or accented in that arrangement of notes. Okay. And it's basically the pulse. It's basically um, roses are red, violets are blue. I'm, I'm schizophrenic and so am I. Um, it, is the, it, is the, it is the rhythm, the pulse underneath that allows us to know how long we do something and and for and what kind of accent we do with them and so that those are the three three parts of music people say well the bible doesn't talk about that okay well it does talk about at least two it does talk about rhythm 
and it does talk about melody. Um, and the combination of those can be seen in Daniel, where the King Nebuchadnezzar said, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, harp, sackbut, psaltery, then you fall down and worship. Now, all of those things could be playing melody, but they're not all melody instruments. They're not all harmony instruments. Some of those are rhythm instruments. And the rhythm is a controlling aspect to music. It tells you how long something's supposed to go on. So I'm being a little detail on purpose because I will say this. I'm going back to your question here. Should we listen to or sing songs written by contemporary artists or even secular musicians? Okay, when I asked you, what do you mean by contemporary? The word contemporary means of the day. Of the day. So you have a contemporary writer, means he lives alongside of you. He lives during your day. So the problem with the word contemporary is the root definition, the main definition, doesn't match what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. When it first was when it first was brought up, it was around it had everything to do with when Amy Grant's um song became popular among the secular artists. A Christian artist broke through into the secular world. And 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 it was Baby Baby was the song. Please don't sing it. It was Baby Baby was the song that she broke into and, of course, became, you know, top 40 or whatever. And, and she was very popular. And all the Christian world was excited because suddenly someone who had a, you know, gospel message broke into the non-gospel singing world. And this is great. This is great. A great day for Christians. So then the word contemporary began to be modified and we have a hard time kind of nailing down what it means. And I'll say, you know, some people say, that song sounds contemporary. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't like it. <laughs> well, that's not right, a good enough right. answer, right? Because I don't necessarily care for certain music around the world. It doesn't mean that it's un- it can't use it or it doesn't follow it, a good order in music. So um, we know one thing, that God has made us into a tripart being. He's made us after his image, and the body, soul, and spirit are the three parts of us. And we know that those three things can be influenced different ways. You can read about that and how the body can be influenced. Often it's, it's a central thing that emphasizes the body, but it can also be you know, uh, overeating. It can be indulgence in fleshly appetites. It can be sexual. Uh, it, you know, Our bodies can be used even in, in a sadistic way, abusing our bodies. But all of that, you you understand, it has a satanic influence to it. Mm-hmm. And so, look at this way: God has a purpose in music, and His Word has a purpose in music. Satan has a purpose in music, and his music, and his and he wants worship from that music. And I tell everybody, back up for a second. Let's all take a chill pill on all the different details about music, and just ask yourself this question: Who is receiving the glory from what you're singing? You got to start there. What, whether they're for eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Who is receiving the glory from what you're singing or for what you're listening to? All right. And then, okay, so a secular artist writes a song about country roads take me home to the place where I belong. Best song ever written, right? West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take me home. All right, that's enough. Road. That's enough. Ushers come with the place. 
That's that's enough. <clears throat> this city, this city boy can't handle that for too long. All right, come on now. <laughs> I know you. I saw your hands waving right there. You were having a moment. Um, I watched oh probably forty thousand people worship to that song. Right. What were they doing? They were worshiping the West Virginia Mountaineers and the team yep. that that won and beat you know. Pittsburgh by one point. And I'm telling you, people were moved. I watched my dad sitting there with a guy that he didn't even know. The guy put his arms around my dad and they're, they're, they're going back and forth and they're saying, whoa, country roads, take me home. <laughs> the guy was, I didn't even know him from Adam, but uh, they were having a moment there. What were they doing? They were ascribing worth to the West Virginia Mountaineers. All right. That is not what a Christian is called to do. We're called to give worth to God. So should I take Mountain Home, West Virginia, Country Roads, and sing that to the Lord? Well, the words don't offer any praise to God. And the music, at least it doesn't seem, is offering any glory to God. And so I want to start there on that premise. Should I listen to songs that are written by contemporary artists or even secular music? I'll say this. My analogy is food. My analogy is food. Music is like food. If you, and, and I love bluegrass, okay? that I'm just making a confession. This is my opinion. I love bluegrass. I grew up listening to it. I, I grew up playing it. I love it. It doesn't make it godly. And it doesn't mean I'm supposed to make an emphasis of, of that in my life. So if I could use, if I could use, um, Krispy Kreme donuts as an illustration of bluegrass. I mean, to me, give me a box full. Give me a box full of Krispy Kreme. If I eat a box of Krispy Kreme every day, I'm going to have an issue. And the mm -hmm. question is, should a Christian be eating those donuts at all? <laughs> well, I don't know. And you're right, we're, we're dancing right around the Romans 14 um, principle here of what, what could be right, what could be wrong. But, but what, what I'm saying is, are you supposed to listen to secular musicians at all? Um, some people that say that would listen to classical music, and they don't even know if that classical musician is saved. Right? Even if the music was conservative or less rhythmic, uh, they wouldn't know if that classical musician is saved. So... That's why I say take a little bit of a chill pill on, well, I never listened to anybody. I mean, anybody that's not born again. I got a question. Did you sing Silent Night for Christmas? That was written by a Catholic priest. Right. <laughs> uh, do you believe everything that Martin Luther believed about the Jews? I don't. Have you ever sung Mighty Fortresses or God? <laughs> So what right. I'm saying is, let's take a little bit of a chill pill. And so people, I've heard people say, I only sing songs that are Baptist written. Well, good luck. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> you know, throw out, right. out a lot of songs that are in your hymnal. Um, but so I don't even know the history of every song that we sing. I don't even know the author, the author of every song we sing. 
So if you're going to be, I appreciate it. Now, listen, if you're consistent with that and you say, I will only sing songs by people I've researched out, I know their salvation testimony. You know what's funny is some of the best um, songs that I've seen a good salvation testimony in the song, when you go look at the author's salvation testimony, you're like, huh, I don't even know if that would pass mustard in most Baptist churches, you know? So at least just be careful with coming down so hard and heavy on every level because at some point it's going to come back to you a great man of god that i'm not going to mention his name he's a great man but he was known um for being pretty strict in his rules and he preached against everything that moved and breathed and he said one time to to my brother-in-law he said to him a very wise statement he said be careful where you set your standards because you're going to have to live with them right i think that's i think that's a good a good standard now, let me go back, and I, I think this will finish up that question. I, I, I went way around the, the answer, but um, ask yourself this. When you're looking at a song, whether you should sing it, who it's written by, uh, whether you should listen to it. Is that author trying to bring glory to God? All right. If they are, then go to the music and ask yourself, what do you hear the most of? Do you hear the most of? rhythm do you hear the most of harmony do you hear the most of melody uh god's order at least what he mentioned in scripture is melody so when you study the old testament and the effects that music had on people when it came to rhythm you'll start to see okay i think i know which one maybe is not as spirit filled now again you got to have rhythm you got to have rhythm or you can't actually make a song the problem is not rhythm the problem is the emphasis of rhythm right uh and by the way amos five twenty three talks about take away from me the noise of thy songs for i will not hear the melody of thy vials so the the violin can carry the melody and often does uh in any orchestral piece uh and, and the bible talks about also the voice of melody make sweet melody Isaiah, take a harp and go about the city. Thou harlot, thou hast forgotten. Make sweet melodies. Sing many songs that thou mayest be remembered. You can distort melody as well to to sing your own song. But the Bible tells us as Christians, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts, in your heart to the Lord. So my question is, does that contemporary artist or artist songs emphasize the melody here's a here's this is a matt marshall um opinion okay but i've spent several several years of my life in a studio recording and one of the things (laughs) we used to do is when you're when you're mastering a recording where you're mixing everything down and you're trying to see if all the all the balance is right we used to have the engineer take it and turn it way down so you could barely hear it because then that would kind of tell you, when you listen to music loud, you're hearing everything kind of blasting. But when you lower it down, then you hear what is prominent. And so we would do that so we could see what is actually prominent in the music. I have, a, I have a, just a practical op- option for you as a Christian. To know what your music is all about, lower it all the way down, and listen mm. to what's prominent. That's really good. And I think yeah. the principle will match with what happened with Joshua and Moses coming down from the mountain. What was going on down there? 
Aaron had caused the people to sin and, and to bring nakedness. And they were um, dancing and they it looked like something was going on musically. And uh, Moses asked about the noise. And he said, Joshua heard the noise. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said, it was sorry, it was, it was Joshua. He said, there is a noise of war in the camp. And Moses is the one that says, it's not, it's not the voice of those that shout for mastery, not those fighting. Neither is the voice of that cry for being overcome. Right? So it's not a, it's not, this is not a, a, a winner or a loser cry. He says, but the noise of them that, do, that sing do I hear? And so they're singing and they're also worshiping a false idol. I think it's, 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 probably, it's probably safe to say that the music that was being used was probably not what the Jews sang in Goshen. And the reason why I say that is because Aaron had a graving tool from Egypt. He wasn't supposed to have a graving tool. So he's already using something that Israel was not supposed to use. And he's, he, he, they were supposed to get rid of all that stuff, right? Um, no graven image. And here he has this graving tool, and he makes a god, and they end up bowing down to this false idol, this golden idol. Something's going on to where whatever music was being played or sung caused people to take their clothes off. and to lower their guard and worship a false idol, even though they had just seen 10 plagues destroy false idols. Something came over them that allowed them to all be controlled to sing to a false idol. Now, I don't know what that was. I cannot say from the scripture exactly what it was. It says they were singing, but... I, I don't know. I, and I, I'm, I'm going to back up here and say this thing. You know the people that are not arguing against the power of rhythm and music? Guess who they are? These are people that they are not arguing against the power of rhythm and music. They're for the power of rhythm and music. Who would those people be? Uh, Any guesses? I'm sorry, my, my guess would be, yeah, <laughs> sorry, there's a tickle in my throat, a frog in my throat. Uh, who would that be? That'd be people who are trying to work something up. It is it, like a rock artist or someone uh, trying to get a crowd enthralled or it'd be, you know, I, I use the word bewitched, trying to get people in a, mm. you know, so a worldly, some sort of worldly musician or some sort of rock artist or someone who doesn't care or who wants to avoid it because they know the effects it has. Does that make sense? Is that okay, what so you're going for? Let me rephrase it. Yeah, that you're right in the right line there. Let me phrase it. Do you think it's save people or lost people that are arguing against the power of music, of rhythm and music? It is. That's still confusing. Save people are arguing against, the lost people are arguing against <laughs> rhythm and music because they, they want to continue to use it. They know the effects it yes. has. Okay. Uh, let me just, I'll just say it straightforward. <laughs> it is not the lost person that says that music doesn't have any power in, in its rhythm. 
it is the safe person that wants to deny the power of rhythm in music. It is the Christian that's actually saying music is amoral. The world says it's very moral. And it, in their mind, it's immoral. Right. right? So they're the ones that use the power of music to get what they want. Just go to a restaurant today. If you go to Chipotle, I'm going to tell you what you won't hear. Tchaikovsky. <laughs> you won't hear Mozart. And you won't hear Handel. You're going to hear Taylor Swift. You're going to hear whoever. Eminem, Usher. I don't even know. Those are old school. Um, what's some modern rappers? What's on your playlist? I got nothing. All right. Okay. I got well, nothing. <laughs> what I'm saying is they're not going to use a classical piece at um, Chipotle. They're not going to use a classical piece at any teenager uh, clothing store. You know where they will use a classical piece? They'll use it at a fine dining restaurant. Is that because they don't understand the power of music? No, it's precisely because they do understand the power of music. Mm -hmm. The greatest marketing tool that Disney ever used was music. You can step in onto the Disneyland or Disney World property and you're going to hear it. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. And you're going to go, oh my goodness, I need that Mickey balloon. I don't care <laughs> if it's $4,500, my kid, and we'll pop it before they reach the parking lot. We need that balloon. <laughs> they created emotion and memory and feeling. And they, and they put you in a buying mode and you can smell the caramel popcorn and you don't even realize it often. They are manipulating your emotions to do it. So what I'm saying is the world is not arguing against the power of music. It's the Christian that's arguing against the power of music. Well, well guess what? Who do you think would want you to think that? <laughs> that there is no power in music. Right. And particularly in the rhythm part of music. It might be the one that rebelled against God with some of the greatest music. There is no greater musician in the world than Satan. Because he has been around for thousands of years with musical instruments built into his own body. He knows it better than Mozart. And he knows the power of it. So if, yeah. if you take that heavenly um, biblical view of who, uh, who is supposed to receive the glory, who wanted to receive the glory, and who rebelled against God and the abilities that he has, you have to at least back up and say he has a desire to use music. Then you study scripture. We can talk later about Saul and, and David and the evil spirit that came over him. And when David played the harp with his hands, the Bible says, he didn't even sing. He played the harp with his hands that the evil spirit departed from him. I didn't really answer that straightforward, but it, it, because there's so much a platform you have to build and people want you to say, no, you cannot listen to any contemporary artist or no, you should not listen to a secular musician. What they mean by that is, how do we apply that in the local church and in the believer's life? But you can't answer that question without building a foundation. It's like saying, um, I believe the, the King James Bible is the inspired, perfect, preserved word of God. And then just walk away. You've got to give me some reasons why, brother. And, and I think the same is true for this. Uh, Christians don't understand music often. They understand what they like. 
And it's like food. I know what tastes good. I have no idea what went into making it. And when mm -hmm. I understand how it's made, then I know what's good for me. If I'm feeding, okay, so let me just leave you with this thought today. Should I listen to contemporary artists or secular musicians? Okay. If bluegrass is like donuts, then Usher is like rat poisoning. <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't even know if the listeners know who Usher is. I don't know a pop. That's, that was the, uh, the popular uh, rapper back in 2000, I think. <laughs> Eminem, whoever. I mean, some of these guys, just, they just keep going. Um, whoever, whoever the popular artist is right now, I, I don't know. I know Taylor Swift is a popular like pop artist, but also like a football fan, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with there. But uh, think about that music. If you're feeding on that alone, then your diet, your spiritual diet is anemic. Right. Okay. Amen. Now, there are certain foods that I will eat because someone else told me they are good for me. And I don't really like them when I first eat them. Brussels sprouts. I mean, why are we swallowing many cabbages? What's the point? I don't like cabbage. But... As I grew older and my wife started to um, brown those in the oven with some olive oil and throw a little bit of bacon ministry on there. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Now, I like Brussels sprouts. I have, an, I have developed an appetite for things that are good for me. All right. So how much of your music is good for the spirit, is good for the soul? Or how much of it emphasizes the fleshly or body or rhythm side? So when, when, let me, I'll just leave you with this. When people ask me, uh, what about this contemporary artist? I say, what do you mean by contemporary? Because I, I can take you some songs that were written by some great believers just a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So they're of my day. They're alive right now. And it's good music. It's good doctrine. It's good rhythm. It's good melody, harmony, all that. It's, it's good stuff. So it, the problem is not contemporary. The problem is it's sensual. That's the question, because the devil has wisdom as well, and it's earthly, sensual, devilish. Yep. So is the music sensual, meaning who does it worship? Who does it give glory to? And I just leave you, say, take your list and listen to all your music and say, turn it, turn it low. What does it emphasize? This is practical. It's not in the Bible. Just, again, I think using the principle of Joshua and Moses, I think you could maybe say this is a good tool. What do you hear from far off? Or what do you hear from when it's really low? And then secondly, who does it talk about? Does it talk about God? Does it talk about you? Amen. And I'm not telling you you have to listen to Christian music all the time. I'm not, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not there to tell you that. I'm just telling you biblically, here is what he emphasizes. So emphasize that more in your life and, and you know, season your life with maybe some of these other things. Uh, it, I think it's just a good principle to drive the food. I've used that often because, um, one person says, I hate pizza. <laughs> you know, I've had a guy tell me, I'll never, he's like, I bluegrass music takes me back to the bar every time. And I'm thinking, I never associated that with the bar. I associated it with my uncles sitting on the porch, you know, mm -hmm. they weren't in the bar. But he has a memory of bad music, and, and so he, consequently, he never liked me to play my banjo. <laughs> and we're still friends. <laughs>
but so what I'm saying is that subjectivity is there and I don't want to offend my brother, but I don't have the same history with it. Right. And so what might be considered a contemporary artist to him uh, might be different than to me. So we have to go back to the principles. Does that, does that help? Does that make sense at all? That helps. That helps a lot. Um, You know, my thoughts here now are, you you just gave us a, not a masterclass, but you gave us a, a really good foundation on, you know, because I have these 11 questions. I have these questions in mind because as a Timothy, I've been at, I've asked them. I've asked a lot of people. I sit and meditate on them from time to time because I get challenged from people, whether it be in my church or just in my sphere of influence. And I think, okay, how do I, how do I really answer that? And I think you hit the nail mm-hmm. on the head where we're not, we're not asking the question of contemporary. What we're really asking is the question of, is it worldly, devilish, and sensual? Because that's the devil. That's the devil's wisdom. The devil is trying to get involved. And, and if it's not drawing us to Christ, if it's not pointing us to Christ, then the question is not, should we listen to it because it's contemporary or should we listen to this person or that person? It is your checklist, the great little checklist you gave us. And, and we all should be approving those, approving things unto, unto the Lord, doing those things that are approved mm. unto God, proving all things, hold fast to the things that are excellent, proving them. You know, too right. often, Timothy's myself and and anybody, and again, anybody can be a Timothy in this situation because we're all, to some degree or another, you like music, whether it's, you know, John Philip Sousa, you know, marching music, or it's uh, classical, or it's, you know, whatever kind of music you like, you like some sort of music. Have you ever yeah. asked yourself, have you ever asked, does this bring glory to God? So the question isn't, well, who wrote it? Okay, well, that's a fine question. I mean, we'll get to that. Okay, did that person, when they wrote it, bring glory? To, were they trying to bring glory to God? Okay, yes or no? Well, again, you mentioned Silent Night. I remember reading uh, Oh Holy Night was written mm. by, I want to say was a, oh, I got to get this. I probably get this somewhat wrong, but it was a, a pope, like a Catholic priest who asked just a, somebody in the church's fear, like a husband of a woman in the church, and he wasn't even a believer, said, hey, can you write? We need a song for Christmas Eve. Hey, could you write us a song? He writes a song. He ends up becoming like a Marxist or something like that. I mean, like to, he was not a Christian. We would not line up with him. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, well, he doesn't really answer that question. But then you take the song by itself. You take the song. You take the rhythm. You take the melody. You look at the words and you say, well, holy cow. This brings, oh, you know, this is, this is a... Well, I don't even know. I mean, I have to go over all the words, but oh, holy night when Christ was born, all pointing towards the birth of Christ. So instead of taking the process of no, it's contemporary, no, you know, throw it out. And again, like you said, if you have that that nature of if it's not Baptist or if it's not this or it's not that, okay, okay, but just hey, Timothy, take a step back, or anyone in a in a church or anyone just listening, you know, just on the fly listening to us this morning, or whenever you're listening to this podcast is don't ask that question. Maybe step back and say, okay, they, you know, music was created for God, by God, and all music, just about all music, like you said, is music that is built to worship something, to point us, to mm. knit our hearts to some, to something. You know, we sing the song, Hail to the Victors. I mean, that's, that's Michigan's, you know, fight song. Every time we sing that, we're singing the word hail <laughs> to mm-hmm. who? To a, to a college, to a bunch of football players or to a school that I've never even been to, you know, and but hail to them. What, what and, are we and saying? We're not victors for a, for a long, long time. They weren't victors. 
most wins in college football history. But we don't need to get into that. But no, <laughs> just the, immaterial, I th- immaterial. Exactly. But you understand, <laughs> you know, the point is, I think just reemphasizing that, man, the question, I appreciate that you went around the question because, again, I'm trying, I am trying to get to that and help people see and understand that it's not, that's not even really the right question. What we're really right. after is, is God honored by the music I'm listening to, music I'm singing? And I would even push back a little bit. I, you talk about, should we ever, you know, Christian, and I, I know you were kind of saying this in passing, but saying, you know, should we only listen to Christian music? And the obvious question to that, is, or the obvious answer to that is, well, yeah, that's all we should really listen to. Like we should never actually eat a Krispy Kreme donut. We should never actually have a Snickers bar. The reality is... You're going to have but a Christmas But I'll kick against you on that. The same, okay. the same people that would say that, though, will, will read secular books. So sure. should we ever read a secular artist? Right? right. We're, we're, no, we're supposed to prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. And we know that the world has wisdom. It's like Brother Sal always says. He says the principles in the book of Proverbs on, on, on um, finances they'll work for lost or saved people because they're, but they're, they're universal truth about finances, right? right? Now they don't get the spiritual blessings by giving to God, but they can get the blessings by giving. It is more, it is better to give than it is to receive. Jesus said, so a lost person can give and sometimes they're the most giving people and they get those blessings, but doesn't it mean it's spiritual blessings. It doesn't mean it's eternal dividends. It just means they're applying a Bible principle to their life. So what, what I'm saying is, we got to be careful that we say, well, only Christian and only Baptist and then only my family and then only me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Look, That's here's, good. Here's, here's, a, here's a saying that, that I've, um, in a music series that I did, I, I derived, it was derived from studying this whole series on music. And, it, and it's this, it, and it comes from what Satan tried to do in his fall and then what he tried to do at Adam's fall. And here's the principle. If Satan can't get you to worship him, then he wants you to worship you. And if you look at your music with that principle in mind, God wants you to worship him. Satan says, no, I want you to worship me. So there's no Christian in the world that would say, yeah, Satanist songs, which they don't have many, by the way. But let's just say an Ozzy Osbourne one where he's biting off the head of the bat, singing about sex and alcohol and whatever and or a rapper is talking about killing cops and okay no no sane christian is ever going to argue that that's good lyrics okay that them wholesome words <laughs> okay um so we're not saying that that is but what, what are those people doing they're worshiping the devil they're worshiping uh, the, the deviance and the rebellion of satan okay i'm not well i'm saved and i don't do that Okay, then he can't get you. You're saved. You're born again. Your your soul is sealed for eternity. You're you're good to go. What does he want then? Well, he came to Adam and Eve, who were sons of and daughters of God, and said, "Ye shall be as gods." What did he do? He tempted them with co-regency, like he wanted. He tempted them with a godlike status, which is what he wanted. And so, God knows in the day you have, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You are going to be special. So worship you, which is humanism. And I believe right. that's where those two lines, if he can't get you to worship him, he'll try to get you to worship you. Does your music talk a lot about you? I, I, there are people that listen to stuff that wouldn't be heavy rhythm, 
but it's very melancholy and very sad and very, um, you know, like it keeps them down in their spirit. And, you know, I don't think, it, here's my opinion, but I think proof, you know, prove all things hold fast with that, just good, which is good. The Bible tells us you are more than conquerors in Christ who love you. If you sit around thinking and singing songs about, you know, well, she left me and now I'm all alone, right? It's good old country boy music, but it's all about you. Mm -hmm. It's all about right. you and how mm -hmm. she made you feel, right? She took my favorite dog, right? It might might talk about how sad life is, but if you're a Christian, you are more a more a conqueror in Christ who loves you. Satan might be using that music to keep you from worshiping God, just as much as you be worshiping Satan. Mm -hmm. Right. So if he can't get you to outright do something evil, what he'll do is he tries to take the glory from God. So start with that principle in your life, and I think God will help you because it is the question. It is the question. Does it bring glory to God? And if you filter any decision, if, if it's major or minor, through that filter and say, does my, does my food, does my marriage, does my, my relationship with my children, is my job, does all of that, does it bring glory to God? I think it'll help you at least start at the right premise and thereby move on. So, hey, we got one question in, and I'm so sorry. I was waxing... I don't think it was eloquent. I think it was an elephant. I was waxing there um, for that long. But I think the principle and foundations have to be laid down in order to answer some of the other questions. Amen. Absolutely, brother. No, that was really good. That was really helpful. I think it's, you know, whatever dog you feed is the one that's going to grow. So if you're feeding the flesh and you're, you're allowing those things and you're not taking the time to prove it, just take the time to prove it. Take the time to say, God, is this glorifying you? If the song is about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then you probably should just automatically no <laughs> right there's some things that are right. just so clear but then the christian life is not necessarily about knowing what is right but it's what's it's the difference it's not the difference between right and wrong it's the difference between right and almost right what is mm. right i want what is right what, what is setting my affections on things above well how do i do that All, everything should be should be doing that so i think that was really good Amen. foundation and hopefully we can come back to this thought and continue to, you know, maybe some other things to break down. I don't know how many more questions we can get into. You kind of covered, honestly, a lot of them from my perspective, but I think that's just a wonderful foundation. And, uh, man, that was really, really helpful. So thank you very much. I, again, I, I think, uh, even if you and I are Timothy's here talking, talking to other Timothy's, other people that, um, you know, he, he does say this, let no man despise the youth, but be thou an example. So if we can be some mm. sort of example to try to talk about these things and just, just be an encouragement to you, not that we're, you know, again, neither of us are, me especially, I'm the least of these, are masters at all, but we just, we've been around it. We've seen it. I've wrestled with these questions. I've wrestled with how to select and pick this song or that over this. And I've been there, done that. And if we can be any blessing to you at all, hopefully you will take this, you know, the first 10 minutes of your explanation or 20 minutes about selecting songs and, and describing where music came from. If everyone just took that, wrote those things down and laid it against all of their music and recognized, okay, I, I need to really take a good look at this. I think it would really help them. And so I want to encourage anyone listening to do that, write these things down, go back, listen to it again. Uh, we need to pump our numbers up anyway. Um, but no, just take a look <laughs> at it again and take this as almost like a little, a crash course on 
on understanding where, you know, the purpose and design of music. So thank you, Brother Matt. I really appreciate it, man. That was really good. Praise the Lord. I think we're bumped up to number 42 in the Netherlands ourselves. So uh, no, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> that's, a, that's an inside joke, but uh, and, and maybe a little bit of a punch at another podcast. But uh, no, praise the Lord. Take some of these things. Uh, when it's my opinion, take it with a grain of salt. When it's God's word, take it as the very word and voice of God. And here's the point. I'm not your authority. If you walk away saying, well, Brother Marshall said this, then you have Brother Marshall's music standards. You need to have God's standard for you. And God might modify that, by the way. Amen. He might say, you should, that's okay. Or he might say, that's not okay. Or he might say, that's not okay right now. But okay, that might be okay in the future. And we can get to some more of that. But I think it's a great thing to remember that. Number one, does it bring glory to God? So, well, brother Josiah, congratulations to you and the University of Michigan. Thank you for cheering them across the line. They played a great game. We'll see about next year what happens. But uh, it was a, it was a fun year for my wife and for my sons that that like that team. And it it was it was I'm glad for them. I'm really happy for them. But we'll uh, we'll talk again soon and continue this conversation. God bless you. Have a great day.